Welcome into the Train with the Best podcast. I'm Craig Hoffman. Chris Corres. And we have an amazing guest for you today. Coming up in just a little bit, we'll be joined by Abby Duncan. She is a Paralympic gold medalist. She's a personal trainer. She's a national champion, two-time national champion, uh, world champion as well uh, in wheelchair basketball. So uh, Abby's story is like, we well, full transparency as we are keen to do here. Uh, we just got done right. talking to her and my jaw just kept hitting the floor. I was like, wait, I thought my jaw was on the floor and some of the things that she had to go through and overcome to, to get where she is today. Yeah. I, I mean, I met Abby, uh, down in Raleigh, North Carolina last month, uh, for a Vertimax certification that, that we were doing and just immediately felt her energy felt, uh, somebody that was, was special and then learned a lot more about her story as she, as she was shared just little tidbits here and there. And I was like, wow, that's incredible that you're in a wheelchair like not that long ago. And then she actually turned down, you'll, you'll learn a little bit. She'll tell you that she, she turned down the opportunity to go to Tokyo this year because she wanted to get out of the wheelchair. Right. So, mm-hmm. um, just an incredible story, uh, as well as who she is as a person. Um, just amazing to see that there, that, you know, these are, these are the stories that I love about this podcast that we can tell these stories about other trainers who are out there doing things like this. Cause it's incredible and, and people need to hear it. Yeah, for sure. Um, I didn't get a chance to ask you this while she was on, so I'll, I'll circle back. And you know, now this feels really disjointed and out of order because this is like the first thing we talked about in the interview. But I asked her, like, how did you, how do you guys know each other? And and she told tells a little bit of the story, so you'll hear her version of events there. But like for you um, to expand on what you just said, you didn't go in knowing that you were teaching a Paralympic gold medalist in this class, right? Like you just all of a sudden felt her energy. All of a sudden, you start talking, and and like at what point yeah. are you like, well, wait, wait a second, like. Tell me more about you and, and this uh, these things that you've been through and this this uh, the things that you've accomplished. Yeah. So first, I, I would say that there's a little bit of background to the story because of my affinity towards Paralympians and Special Olympians, right? Like I had the opportunity a few years ago, and I don't know how many years ago now, but I had a chance to go out to Colorado Springs to work at the U.S. Olympic Training Center, and it was really an awesome experience just to be there and, and see the Olympic training center and see these amazing athletes and to work with athletes like Katie Ledecky. And at the time it was like Clarissa Shields and boxing and watching them do what they do, watching the weightlifters do what they do. The gymnasts, um, working side by side by, with, with guys like Michael Phelps and Ryan Lochte at the time, like the, those, those guys were all there. But the thing that stood out to me was the Paralympians who were also there training, um, who had residencies and, and, and they would get in there. And I remember, like watching this person do step ups. And I'm like thinking, why doesn't somebody go over there and correct their form? We've got all these amazing trainers over here. Like this person's doing this and the form is all jacked up. So, and I remember just watching and observing and I just kept watching. And then like, he's done with his set and then he takes his leg off and I'm like, Oh shit. That's why his form <laughs> was terrible. Cause that's not his leg. Right. right. So like, and then just being able to observe all of the other things. And at that point, and I started to realize, oh my God, like everybody in here is a Paralympian, right? And they're doing like all these amazing things and you would never know. Um, so I had this, I had this awe of Paralympians. And then when I met her, I felt her energy and she was somebody who was eager to learn somebody who just had cool vibes anyway, right? Like you could just tell somebody swag by the way that they come in and, you know, she, um, Whenever I teach these these classes, I'm all I'm always just like looking for the people who who are here who are ready to learn versus the people. There are sometimes that we get people who are like they just want to show off what they know, 
mm-hmm. you know? Um, so she was one of those people that I immediately felt like, oh, wow, this person's here to learn. I want to make sure that she gets what she wants out of this course today. And then I started to learn more about her story and it would come out. Oh yeah. I was, I was in a wheelchair. Uh, I want to go metal. I'm like, what? You don't, you don't talk about that when you introduce yourself. Like you just said, Hey, I'm Abby. I trained down the street. Like what you, you got you to <laughs> talk about that. So, um, so yeah. And then w- with the Paralympics that just happened, they, they, we had, we obviously had the Olympics in Tokyo. And then shortly after that, the Paralympics, which was going on, which didn't get as much attention as it probably deserves. Um, but I just thought it would be a cool chance to, to reach out to her. We have another guest who's going to be coming on, uh, uh, Nick Mayu, who just set the world record, um, a, a 10, nine, five, 100 meter dash as a Paralympian, which is freaking incredible. That's remarkable. Uh, uh, somebody who's one side of his body is just like, doesn't even work. So like, it's incredible <laughs> that, that people are out here doing that. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of have a couple of episodes where, where we throw it out to the Paralympians and special Olympians out there that, man, I, I am in awe of you guys and I will always support what you guys do. Yeah, that's incredible. And, um, shout out to like the U S Olympic committee and, and everybody who gives those opportunities. And, and, you know, it, it, like you said, like you walk into the Olympic training center and you have the Olympians over here and the Paralympians over here. And sometimes you don't even know who's who, um, and, and you know, part of, I think the struggle for, any minority group to, to use that term very loosely is like the equal access to resources. And so making sure that disabled athletes and able-bodied athletes have the same resources and give it the chance to succeed and shine and, and do the types of things that Abby um, and Nick have done um, is, is worthy of attention and, and worthy of applause. So um, we don't, we don't have Abby today if, if, you know, she doesn't find her college team and, and, you know, the investment there is, is so important. And, um, as she'll talk about, uh, and you'll hear in just a few minutes, like in many ways it saved her life, you know, not just in a physical sense, but like mentally where she was and, and her ability to ultimately, um, you know, be her true self and, and continue to now just pass that on and make a difference in, in kids' lives that she's working with as a trainer. So, um, without further ado, let's, uh, Actually, Chris, you have one more thing to, to add real yeah, quick. Yeah, I do. I do have one more thing to say because like you, as you learn about her journey, and I think this is something that uh, a lot of trainers are, are going to listen to. And, and there are trainers who come to this podcast for knowledge. And I think there's a big difference between knowledge and intelligence. And I think as you, as you listen to her story about what she went through, like knowledge is having the right answers, knowing the right answers. Intelligence is knowing the right questions. And I think that as, as you listen to her journey, like, the ability to ask the right questions, that's, that's what's going to, that's what eventually helped her is, is she found the right questions to ask. Like what's, what's really wrong? Why is this happening? All this other stuff versus trying to jump to conclusions and take medications that don't work or whatever it is. So I'll I'll let you listen to her story. But I think that, again, I just wanted to throw that out there, the difference between a knowledgeable trainer and an intelligent trainer. Cause I think that we're so quick to try to find the right answers. And oftentimes that means that we miss asking the right questions. Without a doubt. All right. Without further ado, uh, here's our chat with Abby Duncan, 2016 Paralympic gold medalist and so much more. The Train With The Best podcast is brought to you by Super Coffee. And I have an update for you that's kind of an update for me that I'm now relaying back into an update for you. You know, the last couple of ads, I have talked about how 
I have had to switch to the plant-based super coffee, and that's fine because the plant-based super coffee flavors are legitimately delicious. I'm staring, making eye contact right now with a coconut mocha. And I love the coconut mocha, but I've done that because I am now lactose intolerant. I figured out I was lactose intolerant. And I was like, man, I guess I can't have the original anymore. Turns out, exciting update, I was mistaken. Because somehow through the miracle of food science, which really isn't a miracle, it's science because that's how science works. The regular original OG super coffees are 99.9% lactose free. So I'm back with a full arsenal. Now, will I still have some of the plant-based? The coconut mochas, the the French vanillas, the sweet creams. Absolutely. Why? Because they're delicious. But you want to know what else is delicious? Caramel, vanilla, mocha, hazelnut, all the original flavors, which I have figured out that I can consume. Blueberry latte, 100% dairy-free. How do they do it? I don't know. I don't even care but I can drink them and so can you. And you can go to drinksupercoffee.com and use the code TWTB as in train with the best TWTB and you can get your first order 25% off. That's super coffee, super creamer, super espresso, all of it, all of the things, all of the grounds, all of the K-cups, all of the things, whatever you want in that first order, 25% off. TWTB as in train with the best at drinksupercoffee.com. And if you don't like it, it's got a 60 day money back guarantee. The Trend with the Best podcast is brought to you by Momentus, and today we're going to talk about sleep. Why? Because Elite Sleep is back. Now, I will warn you, it doesn't smell very good. I'm just going to put that out there. That's how you know this ad is honest, because I am telling you something that's not great about a product that we are endorsing. But the reason it doesn't smell great is because they've went all in on the all-natural ingredients, and they said, you want to know what? We're here for efficacy. And unlike their proteins, where they will not compromise on taste, you can take about half a second of a couple of pills that don't really smell that great. But you want to know what? Since the new formula launched and I've started reintroducing Elite Sleep to my routine, my whoop recovery has been nuts good. Like I have actually seen a significantly bigger difference. And you remember when I first started taking Elite Sleep the first time around, if you're a long-time listener to the podcast, this was in the advertisements. Always listen to the ads. There's good information in here. My, my recoveries jumped significantly. I've seen an even bigger jump since reintroducing it this time around. They did a great job with the new formula. I'm not a nerdy science person enough to tell you what all the differences are, but all that information, if you are into that kind of thing, is available at livemomentous.com. But here's the important part. Go get some. Go to livemomentous.com, use the code TRAINWITHTHEBEST25, and get 25% off your first subscription order, and it's 15% off all the refills. So you are always getting discount premium product at a very non-premium price. So add that to your subscription or go and build one right now. Livemomentous.com. The code is train with the best 25 because if you're going to train with the best, you better recover with the best. And that's why we choose Momentous. Our guest today, she's a gold medalist. She's also a personal trainer. Uh, we've had gold medalists. We've had personal trainers. Chris, I don't think we've ever had someone who checks both boxes, but here we are. It is Abby Duncan, a gold medalist uh, in wheelchair basketball in the 2016 Rio Paralympic Games and now working as a personal trainer down in Cary, North Carolina. Uh, Abby, welcome to the pod. It's, it's a pleasure and an honor to have you. Thanks. I am so excited to be on here. <laughs> Yeah, I think she checks, she checks off a lot more than those two boxes, though. I think when we when we talk about her journey and what she's gone through and, and what she's what she's done, I think uh, 
I think this is maybe the most unique guest that we've ever had as a as a trainer here. So, um, welcome to the show, Abby. Thanks. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for the invite. Uh, yeah, I'm excited to get into your story a little bit, but I. You know, there, there's typically two places that we start uh, and you, you check a box that we're going to go in the other direction. The one, one direction we go is like, tell me about your childhood. Like where, what's your story? Like that kind of just general starting point. But since apparently, you know, Chris, somehow uh, we have to go this direction. How do you guys know each other? Chris was my Vertimax instructor. <laughs> okay. Had a Vertimax certification course. So he came down here and I attended, I worked for Redline Athletics in Raleigh. And so my boss is like, here, go get certified. I was like, okay. And then Chris is there and it was good. And that's how we met. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Um, this was, uh, I guess last month. Um, I just remember like listening to your story about how you were in the Olympics, the Paralympian and, and you won the gold medal in, in Rio. And then here you are like demonstrating how to use Vertimax. And I'm like, wait a second. <laughs> like what's, what's going on here? And then I think there was even like a sprinting drill that we did. And, and I was like giving you pointers and you're like, yeah, I'm still learning how to use my legs. And I was like, oh my God, yeah, you're right. Like I, I'm an idiot. <laughs> no, I, I probably look like an awkward giraffe trying to like, no, you, you look great. Like walk a, again. <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of like your story is so fascinating and, and, you know, unique is a great word and, and you've kind of seen a lot of different elements of the athletic spectrum and both as a trainer, as an athlete, as a, as a Paralympic athlete. Um, and, and now, uh, as a, you know, I, I don't know, like, I don't know how you would identify yourself. Would you say that you were now like an able-bodied athlete or you sounds like you're in that process of kind of continuing to learn how to, to, use your entire motor function so how would you how would you describe and define yourself in, in that way in the past i would say year and a half that's something that i've been kind of i don't want to say struggling with but getting used to because mm -hmm. it's been eight i was in a chair for like i said eight years and so now it's completely new i'm like oh yeah you know what i can do that so i would yeah identify as like an able-bodied athlete Okay. So you've, you've seen this and that's that in itself, I'm sure, especially from like a training side of it, I'm sure you're like that, that itself could be like an entire hour long podcast, but let's, let's now go to the second starting question. Like what, what, what was your story? Um, I was on your Wikipedia page it says you were born in Germany. I don't know if that's a Wikipedia area or you were, you were born over <laughs> there and then moved to Texas. Like what, what's young Abby's life like? So yeah, I had no idea I had a wiki page until like a year ago. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who made that. Um, so I was actually born in Rota, Spain. Oh, sorry, um, Spain. I lived yeah, there yeah, for yeah. About two, three years. My yeah. So my dad was a fighter pilot in the military, and so we were stationed over in Rota. Um, and so my first language is actually Spanish, and I moved to the states, and I don't remember any of it. Um, so I lived in Texas from like '99 until last year really so i grew up in new Braunfels, texas super well was in a small town now not so much um and then i went to university of texas at arlington where i competed and graduated with a degree in kinesiology um so my story is definitely unique it's a lot of crazy shit <laughs> um so in 2008 i was actually so i did basketball volleyball track and i was also a second degree black belt in martial arts the mma all that kind of stuff i know i don't look like it um I would do in a clinic and I did a jump spin kick wrong, twisted my ankle and ended up tearing my meniscus. And mm. I had scope surgery for that. Um, back at it within six to eight weeks, but the pain from that surgery never went away. And we couldn't figure out why, because physically all the scans, all the tests, everything like that came back normal. But my left knee was swollen. 
purple, changed in different colors, blue, orange, and then went down my whole leg, went to my right leg and my lower back down. Had no idea why. Um, turns out in 2009, I was diagnosed with something called CRPS or complex regional pain syndrome. So yeah. it's basically we know that like, well. yeah, we've, it's, we, it's actually something we've yeah, talked about so, on the podcast before. We, mm-hmm. So, oh, um, awesome. yeah, we, I read yeah. that and I was like, so, that, I, I remember that that's familiar. Yeah. Yeah. So I had CRPS. Um, I try to always stay away from all the pain medications and treatments because there were just some weird stories and side effects I didn't want to deal with. So I was able to manage my chronic pain through exercise, being an active kid at that time. I think I was like middle school sports, going into high school sports. Um, and then going into, I think it was middle of my junior year. Um, we we're at, I was on varsity basketball and we we're on a weight tournament. And I remember the feeling of my jersey feeling like needles and it was on fire. And I remember I couldn't stop my tears because my jersey just hurt so bad to put on. And at that point, we we're thinking, okay, maybe I do need to go see somebody to help me get through this. Because years prior, I went through a physical therapy program up in Pennsylvania. It was a two-week inhab patient. There was an eight-hour physical therapy, occupational therapy, pool therapy, psychology, all that stuff. Um, but at this point, I was like, okay, I need some help. Um, I, first time I went to a neurologist in ladies like San Antonio. Um, he, I was prescribed medication that my, at one point my mom thought I was having a stroke on the floor in the kitchen. My head was tilted over. I was drooling eyes glazed over and we're like, okay, this is not it. Um, oh, I went in for scary. two lumbar nerve blocks in Austin or San Antonio and it just did not go as planned. Um, and so I walked with about a lint or walked with the lint for about a month or two and went to a treatment called Calmare up in Dallas, Texas. And Calmare at the time was brought over from Italy as this brand new treatment for chronic pain. And they take electrodes about like this big and put it on the outskirts of your pain. So for me, it was my upper body, my shoulders, my back, arms, all that jazz. And it was supposed to scramble the pain messages that my brain is sending to my body. And I was hooked up to this machine for an hour a day, five days a week for two weeks. Um, The first evaluation I had with that doctor, he said, if you really care about your health, you will never play basketball. You will never get tattoos. I have six and I got Another tattoo appointment <laughs> in a few, like two weeks. And you can never drink caffeine. I was like, I freaking love Starbucks coffee. Like, that's my jam. Right. Um, and so he's like, you know what? Here's my nurse. She will do this entire thing for you. And I was like, okay, weird, but okay. And so the first week, I just remember being super tired, really out of it. And it was weird because I wasn't given any medication. It was just from this machine. Um, and the second week, I... And it actually ended up losing like 30 pounds. Oh, wow. And, and I got up one morning in the hotel room and I fell over because my legs, I couldn't walk. And I remember the look on my mom's face is like, oh my God, I have no idea what to do. At that same time, I also kept a blog with Caring Bridge because it was such a new treatment that people want to know like my experience with it. Um, and so actually that day we had gotten a call from some random medical facility across the country and said, hey, is this your doctor? And we're like, yeah, we're like, oh, we've actually been, we saw your blog, keeping up with it. Is this the nurse that's doing it for you? And we're like, yeah. And turns out the nurse was just an office assistant. Um, and they've had patients come out of there also in chairs. Oh no. And so they're basically like, you need, you need to get out of there. So I had, I think I had one or two treatments left, um, but we ended up leaving early. And this was a, also a treatment that we felt was going to be like the end cure all 
Mm-hmm. Um, cause at that point, my minutes in playing basketball in high school were getting shorter and shorter and shorter cause I couldn't handle nearly as much. So I remember when I came back to my first day of school in like two weeks, come back in a chair, all my friends are like, what happened? Um, and at that point that was going into my senior year and I'm thinking, well, what am I going to do? Um, am I going to be able to go to college? Am I going to be able to do this? Am I going to be live on my own? Um, what kind of financial burdens is going to be on my family? All these things going through my head. Um, and basically I just felt super lost and obviously going from two shoes to two wheels is not something that anyone really expects. Um, so about going through my senior year, um, I was on YouTube one day and I found wheelchair basketball. And I'm like, oh, shit. Okay, what is this? This looks cool. Um, And it was game film from the London 2012 Paralympic Games. And their arms were jacked. They were playing ball. It looked like they were playing basketball in bumper cars. And I just thought it was the coolest thing. And so I was like, okay, I have to try this. And by this time, I was into my senior year. Um, And my dad, being former military, living in New Braunfels, close to San Antonio, um, we got access to Fort Sam Houston military base. And so I went to go out, try basketball the first time with guys that had just come back from overseas that were getting used to their uh, disability and stuff like that. And I could come in, I was like the 16, 17 year old scrawny white girl, <laughs> like no idea what I'm doing and absolutely loved it. And from then on, I played with an all veteran team actually in San Antonio, with the San Antonio Spurs wheelchair team for a year and a few months, got recruited to go play UT Arlington for five years. And then within months of my freshman year, I got invited to go play at, um, or try out for the national team. And 2015 is when I made my first national team. That's awesome. How much did, um, like you mentioned being lost, right? And then all of a sudden you find this Mm -hmm. thing in wheelchair basketball. So as you start, um, to, to, I guess, eventually embrace this new life that you have through just horrendous circumstances and you know, I'm sure that's another that like that is another part of the story of like was there malpractice suits and all these other things. Um, but mm-hmm. like uh, from that perspective of the mental side of it, how much did your life change when you found something that you felt like gave you purpose again? It was totally life changing. So actually, when I mentioned I felt lost, I actually from all the prescription drugs I had, I ended up getting way too dependent on those prescription drugs. And I ended up overdosing one night because I was over it. I had no idea. I didn't know anybody that was in a chair that could live independently. I didn't know anybody that had a disability that could be athletic. And at that point I let sports become who I was, not what I did. And so when you take away that identity, it's like, Oh shit, now what? And so I think, especially being in New Braunfels, Texas and being at that age, I had no idea what, what else is in the world. And I had no idea that there were so many bigger things out there. Um, But yeah, so finding wheelchair basketball really opened my eyes and it led me to a community where nobody cared who you were, who you prayed for, who you love, whatever, as long as you could play ball and you didn't suck. Um, And so the community at UT Arlington that I played with was great. Um, We were able to win two national championships through there. And then even our national team um, was like a family. And so the wheelchair basketball was able to take me around the world and back and meet so many people from around the globe and new cultures and just new faces. And it was, it was really cool. As if that wasn't enough. Um, 
you mentioned who you love in there and people that know your story know that you are uh, a member of the LGBT community and and an advocate for that community as well. And uh, I think anyone that has gay friends or or just is aware of gay issues like knows how tough the teenage years can be in general. And so you are dealing with the medical catastrophe that you've just described and you're also a gay teenager. Like how, how did those things wind up coming together too, in terms of your mental state? And, you know, again, when you find that family that is accepting and and doesn't care and and you find that purpose again, like how much did that help you away from sports and, and, you know, embracing the full, the full Abbey, if you will. Yeah. All of that. Plus living in a conservative town in Texas, Texas. (laughs) right. (laughs) Right. All places. Um, it was hard. Um, that's an understatement I'd imagine. (laughs) Yeah. We're completely against it. Um, and so luckily for me, I was very fortunate. My mom was super supportive. Um, and my family is too, but growing up in that town, I knew that once I got out, I was like, okay, I can be me. And it was actually my college team that were like, okay, we know you're like a little fruity, so it's okay here. I was like, wow, (laughs) this is so different. Um, and so everyone, like I said, UT Arlington was so open and welcoming and our head coach at the time, Stephanie Wheeler, I'm also an ambassador for athlete ally. Right. Um, so they work with a lot of pro athletes, Mm -hmm. um, with the LGBTQ community and my head coach, Stephanie Wheeler is also an ambassador for athlete ally. And she creates such an environment that was so open and affirming and you come, you play, you be who you are. And so I don't think without my team at UTA and having a coach like Stephanie Wheeler, it would have been a little bit different for me. And so finding my support system, my tribe, and then go share these experiences with made it okay. So I know if I can do that on the world's biggest stage, then coming here and dealing with, you know, you got some crazy people around, but it makes it all okay. Yeah. I, I mean, this, this is just such an incredible story. It gets deeper and deeper. Like the more that, the more that we talk to you, we find out that you were born in Spain and spoke Spanish exclusively. And now you speak English, right? And then you were, you were not in a wheelchair and then you were in a wheelchair and now you're not in a wheelchair again. Um, so talk about that transition. So coming back out of the wheelchair and, and learning how to use your legs again. First of all, like what what was the turning point that said, OK, I can I can get back out of here and start to be an able bodied athlete again. Talk about that transition. Like what was the turning point and then your mental journey through all of that? Yeah, so using. So I used the chair. I also used the cane. Um, so I could walk short distances, but I could not walk any further than maybe like 20 feet. Um, and so my partner now was also an awesome personal trainer and mm-hmm. she kicks my ass daily, <laughs> but she found, so I had really bad drop foot in my right foot. I could not flex my foot. I couldn't walk. Like I walked like a zombie apocalypse was about to strike. And she had found this brace called Sabo Step. And it's actually meant for stroke patients. And so it's an ankle brace with, with a BOA system like snowboard shoes and has cables that hook to these little hooks that go into your laces of your shoe to hold your foot up. And you can adjust the, how tight it is or how loose it is. And so using that brace is either that or a classic AFO brace, which is really uncomfortable and costs a lot of money through insurance. Um, and going to physical therapy, I was like, you know, I can do this on my own. I don't want to go spend that money. And so we got the Sabo step and I was able to work on my quad function, my calf function, just by little steps and basically relearn how to walk again, working on that heel to toe action over and over and over again. And so little by little, 
loosening that BOA system to where I could do it on my own. And so I actually ended up going plant-based with all my chronic health stuff. I was like, okay, obviously I need to change. Something needs to happen because what I'm doing now is just not working. So the mixture of using the Sabo step, going plant-based, um, I was off all medications. This was like 2020, I believe. Um, I was like, maybe this is something that I can do. And so just consistency is key for me um, and continuing that every single day. Um, so that's actually in 20, May of 2020, I was actually named the Tokyo team to go play in Tokyo. And that's with the pandemic and the games being postponed. I was like, oh shit, maybe this is a sign that I need to step away and focus on me, get back on my feet and see what happens. Um, and that was definitely a decision that was, I was not expecting to make, but I think in the long run for my health, my happiness, wheelchair basketball did its job. It healed me and did what I was supposed to do. And now I could step away and watch as a fan, which is awesome. Um, but yeah, that's how I learned to walk again. <laughs> how did, um, so with, with the CRPS, uh, and, and for those that don't know, I mean, it's, it's, it really has to do with anxiety has a lot to do with it too. Um, so, so maybe, maybe can you talk a little bit about how you managed the, the anxiety part of it and, and the pain and, and how did, how did you manage that as you start to learn how to walk again? Definitely a lot of anxiety for the, actually for the longest time, I couldn't even be in water. Um, so showers are super quick cause the water would turn my skin purple and orange and swell up and I would have these awful flare ups and everything, cold temperatures. There was a period where I couldn't even wear jeans. Um, cause the fabric would rub against my skin. I could not handle it. Um, so it's, you're not only retraining your body, but you're also retraining your mind. It's yep. like with the workout or fitness, it's all 90% your mentality and 10% your body. And so I think that's a lot harder to train your mind and work on your mental yeah. training than it is the physical training part of it. Yeah. So that's something that's continuing daily. Yeah. I mean, your, your mind remembers pain more than it remembers anything else. Right. So like anything that you're going to do that sends signals to the brain that says, Hey, this might be painful. And then that brain starts sending the pain signals back out. Like that's really hard to overcome and really hard to, to, to retrain. Um, so yeah. And that's, and that's what we've seen with other patients and clients that have dealt with CRPS, not quite as bad as, you know, being only being able to take a shower really quickly, but you know, we've had, we have had patients that would break out in hives when they ice and things like that. And they were saying, Oh, I think I'm allergic to ice. And like, that's not possible. You can't be allergic to water. <laughs> you can't. So, um, but uh, it's a, it's an interesting story and, and, you know, I, I love the journey that you went through, right. Just, just growing up, being who you are going through what you went through and now you're a trainer, right? So you're, you're dealing with young athletes and, and, and people who aspire to be something and, and people who identify themselves as athletes and, and that, and that's who they are, not just what they do. Um, talk about how that shaped your philosophy as a trainer and as a coach for, uh, a lot of young people. Yeah. Growing up, I don't think I remember ever seeing someone, I mean, nowadays, especially now you have so many athletes that are very outspoken, which is great. And are role models for these kids. And actually one of the things after the Paralympic games in Rio, we went to the white house met with president Obama. One of the things that he said was that every kid watching at home can look at the TV and watch the Olympic and Paralympic games and see themselves in each of you. 
And that's something that stuck with me. I was like, yeah, that's true. We represent literally every single person in the United States, no matter what. Um, and so now a lot of kids that I coach, I've even had some come up to me and recognize that I am an advocate for the LGBTQ community and have come out to me and they're not ready to come out yet. And so I want to be that coach and that person for these kids and these clients that I do have that I didn't have when I was growing up or when I was in school. And so I think times are starting to turn a little bit now. And so I'm really excited to see what else can happen. Hopefully specifically, what does it mean to you to see the number of out athletes at the Paralympic games triple from your, your year in 2016 to this year in Tokyo? Oh, that, I think it's awesome. Um, I think I was like one of 10 or one of 12 out in Rio. Um, but now I think there's a record number of like 30 something athletes. Um, one, I'm sure there was a lot more athletes out in Rio. They just weren't ready to publicly come out yet. And so now seeing athletes being comfortable in their skin while being competing at the world's biggest stage, I'm just expecting that number to grow more and more and more and more. Especially seeing all these pro athletes also come out. Um, I think it's awesome. So hopefully one day it's going to be a total normal thing and it's not going to be a big deal. Back to um, the physical side of things, like what was the CRPS, like the ultimate diagnosis or did, did you eventually like, cause obviously it sounds like some of the things that were tried, literally tried on you, um, were obviously not good understatement of the podcast. Um, so like how did, how did the diagnosis and treatment for you evolve? And like, how confident are you that you are going to be able to continue to progress forward in the ways that you have, especially in the last year and a half? Yeah, so along with the CRPS, um, I had a few tilt table tests done that showed I had dysautonomia, um, or a lot of people have what some of us call like POTS. Um, I had neurocardiogenic syncope um, version of it. Basically, my blood pressure would drop really low, um, and I, it was hard for me to control those involuntary aspects. Um, but that was also just came with the lifestyle change and the diet change. That was something that I could change and that progressively got better. So I don't really find myself having those low blood pressure issues anymore. Um, I would have days where I would get up and go straight back to bed for the next 12 hours. Um, but now it's a completely different story. As a trainer, like what do you want to accomplish? <sighs> a lot. <laughs> um, <laughs> A lot. Um, I want to keep growing and learn as much as I can. Um, I don't think there's ever a point where you stop learning. I'm actually studying right now to take uh, the CSES exam here soon. Um, so gain that knowledge, work with a diverse group of athletes and clients of different abilities and disabilities. Um, but yeah, so I would like to do a lot more with it and grow and expand. Is there a Chris Gores taught thing that you have implemented in your training that you're like, yeah, that was the thing I took away from Chris. I just really wanted to see him eye roll and I got that. So that's, <laughs> that's nice. Um, that is a very good question. Um, I do use the Vertimax a lot more in my training. Um, a lot with the basketball kids that I coach and stuff like that. We've been impl- implementing it a lot more. So thank you for that. Um, and you made a comment about how 
athletes, unless you're an Olympic lifter, you don't win competitions by lifting a barbell. Um, it will teach a lot of movement more base and especially working at Redland athletics with youth athletes, teach them how to move their bodies instead of barbells and heavier things, as long as they can move their bodies and prevent injuries and stuff like that. That's going to be a huge win. Yeah. There are no bars on the field. A Chris Gore special. (laughs) It's just, yeah, it's one of those things that has always driven me crazy about this industry. Like, first of all, I believe in strength training. People should get stronger. People should use barbells. You should get stronger. Don't get that twisted. But, like, if somebody can't do a lift because they physically can't do a lift, I'm not going to spend six months of training them to how how, how to do this one particular lift because it's not necessarily going to translate. Is there some value to learning something new? Yes. Like, when we talked to Dennis Logan about, like, teaching an offensive lineman a 40-yard start. Like, okay, they're never going to do this. Yes, you're right. But there's also value to uh, teaching somebody something that they've never done before and seeing how well they learn it, right? Like learning how to learn, right? Kobe talks about that, master being a master, right? Um, But we've stressed so much on, like, how to move a barbell, but I've never seen a touchback called back because the squat depth wasn't low enough. I've never seen a dunk called back because the landing technique wasn't right, right? Like, these are things that just, it just drives me crazy. And then then you say it out there, and then you're like, oh, yeah, wow, yeah, that doesn't make sense. Like, why are we teaching all of these things that are never going to translate for this kid who is 6'8 and probably shouldn't be squatting underneath the bar anyway, right? Like, it's just weird. But I'm glad that you took that from because I think that <laughs> if there's if there's one thing that I want people to take, that's what I would want them to take. Right? Like there are no barbells and dumbbells on the field, right? Like you don't get extra points for lifting the barbell, flipping a tire, doing three burpees and crawling across the court and then dunking the ball. Like that's not a thing that happens. Although Rachel would probably I was going to say me. yeah, my girlfriend would would be like, "Yes, this is a sport that I like." But, you know, <laughs> just cuz there's bear crawls and burpees, it's her jam. Right. She, I just got a, I just got an AOK from, from off screen. Uh, yep. Abby, this was, this was great. Um, so happy to have you and, and hopefully we can have you back at some point down the road. Um, where can people follow you on Insta and, and learn more about what you're doing if, if they would like. My Instagram is at edunk 23. So you can go ahead and give me a follow. Do that. Yeah, for sure. Do that. You might see some sweet Vertimax drills. That was the first thing I saw yesterday when I, when I followed you. So I was like, hey, look at Yeah, I've been using Abby. it. That thing is awesome. <laughs> it's uh, it's not bad, as they say. Uh, Abby, <laughs> this was great. Thanks so much for coming on the podcast, and we will talk to you soon. Thanks. Awesome. Thanks, guys.